Welcome back to another episode of Pour Me Another. It's your host, John, and I'm in the uh, the tiny little closet sound booth. Um, today I'm doing an interview with my good friend, Holly Wilcox, attorney at law. How you doing, Holly? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing just fine. Go ahead and uh, tell everybody what it is that you do. I am a criminal defense attorney in Mount Airy, North Carolina, which is about 40 minutes from here. Mm-hmm. And um, other than that, I watch a lot of TV and drink a lot of wine. Yeah. Speaking of wine, the name of the show is Pour Me Another, so I'm usually drinking when I'm recording. we got the bottle over there on the floor. It's a little far away from me, but tell me what it is that we're drinking today. We are drinking a Pinot Noir from a vineyard in Sonoma County called Saduri, which is actually, I'm pretty sure, like the Greek goddess of wine. I'm not actually positive. Her name was Saduri? I think her name was Saduri. And hmm. that's why this this winery is called Saduri. Well, Saduri must have been pretty hot because this wine is delicious. Yeah. Her, she's on the bottle, you can see. And actually, I was I was there a couple weeks ago, and they said that um, she's like oh, a yeah. naked woman with some like waves around her. And apparently, she used to have nipples, but they had to take the nipples off of the bottle. Oh, yeah. Because that was like too much. But she can have Barbie boobs with no nipples. <laughs> and that's okay. God, America sad. John Sebastiano Vineyard. Sidori. Yeah, there's definitely a picture of a little lady. She's naked as shit. She's got a wine glass in her hand. She's like flying through the air. I think she's in the ocean, but she might be. Is she supposed to be in the ocean? I think she's supposed to be in the ocean. Because I see the blue, like wavy, squiggly lines. I guess that would be, yeah, sure. The ocean. Okay, so she's either she's either naked as shit, drunk on wine, flying through the sky, or floating (laughs) through the ocean. Um Yeah. And then the wine's really good too. It's tasty. It's it's a Pinot Noir, so it's like smooth and flavorful. It's a lovely red. It is it is very noir, by the way. It's a dark shade of um Grape. Purple. Yes. Okay, so Holly is um uh, you said criminal defense attorney, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, I have 1,500 questions about being a criminal defense attorney, but I'll, I'll try to... Start with number one. Okay, number one is um, what, what, kind of, what kind of folks do you mostly deal with? What kind of crimes do you mostly see in your work? So I do almost 100% court-appointed work, okay. which is basically the same thing as being a public defender, mm-hmm. except for I don't get state benefits. So in a small town where you don't have a public defender's office... If somebody comes in and they don't have enough money to hire an attorney, which is most criminals, like overwhelming number of of criminals that go through Mm -hmm. court, Mm -hmm. um, can't afford an attorney. So they ask the court to appoint them one. And there's a list of attorneys who are willing to take those cases. We get paid by the state for a much lower rate than we would if we were charging someone um, a fee that we set ourselves. And uh, that's pretty much all I do right now. Um, I would say probably 95% of my practice is, is working for indigent criminals. Okay. So the type of crimes that we deal with um, in rural North Carolina right now, it is a lot of meth. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's just, I mean, it's a lot of meth, like so much meth. Um, I'm really only doing felonies right now. Um, it's a lot of stealing shit from Walmart. Um, it's a lot of breaking and entering, um, kind of, I do like lower level felonies right now, which are, um, breaking and entering, larceny, larceny of a motor vehicle, drug crimes. Um, I'm getting into like trafficking drugs, which is, you know, bigger drug crimes. Oh, I'd love to get into trafficking drugs. 
you know, um, <laughs> I could probably hook you up. <laughs> you know all the fucking people. Huh? If, if you're really, if you're really looking to get into trafficking drugs, I could, I could, I could probably okay. make that work for all you, right, and that. also probably lose my bar license in the process. All right, I'll, I'll keep that in mind if I ever decide to uh, work with Columbia. Mm-hmm. Okay, so keep going. Um, I mean, that's the majority of it. You know, occasionally I get like a a fun um felony assault, which is you know always spices things up. I I will occasionally have some kind of identity theft or um, other financial crimes. Um, I have a kidnapping right now, um, which Whoa. is really exciting. Um, was it a child? It was not a child. It was an adult. What? Um, yeah. So the thing is, too, you should know about criminal defense attorneys is um, we all have a really, really fucked up sense of humor and a really, really fucked up sense of morals. But part of it is like a defense mechanism uh-huh. because you have to like find things funny. Right. But also when you're doing this work every day, it's like I see so many people on meth that that's just boring after a while. You're just doing the same <laughs> thing over and over and over. So then when I get something like a kidnapping or an assault, I'm like, yes, this is awesome. This is something different. Right. And it's not because I'm like happy that somebody got assaulted, but it's like. It's a different thing for you to do. Yeah, exactly. It's so, a little variety. Yeah. So I'm imagining in my mind's eye that the vast majority of people you work with are the sort of dregs of modern society. Is that an accurate statement? I wouldn't say that. Um, Society might say that. Right. I would say that the vast majority of people I work with are from a bad situation and they don't have the resources to get into a better situation. Okay. That's um, a very humanist way to look at things. Yeah. So America doesn't really provide a lot of resources for uh, marginalized people. Okay. You want to elaborate on that? I mean, I we, mean we can. I try to avoid politics in general on the show, but yeah, sure. You can move it up. It's okay. We're working on, we're working on her boom right now. She's so uh, I've never actually discussed this with you guys before, but let me describe what the setup is here. Technically. I got two chairs. She's sitting in a fucking lawn chair, one of those fold-out lawn chairs. It's a camp chair. It's a camp chair, right. The kind that, you I know, feel like I'm at a, a high school football game. That's exactly where you are, except we're not doing that at all. Um, so she's in this, like, camper chair, <clears throat> and I'm over here in my PC chair. And we've got two microphone boom arms right in front of us. And so if you're listening and you hear this, like, bong, ding, ding, like, deep sort of resonate, that's us accidentally bumping. The boom mic arm. Okay. So um, <clears throat> the mic boom arm. That's what I was going to say. Okay. So you just told me that in the United States, we don't have a lot of systems to assist people who are marginalized. Right. Well, what do you mean by marginalized people? So, I mean, the county that I work in is overwhelmingly white, um, which is different from a lot of criminal defense attorneys around the country who work in overwhelmingly black and brown courtrooms Mm -hmm. where most of your defendants are minorities um, who may live in, you know, the poorer side of town, that kind of thing. Um, Mount Airy, which is in Surrey County, North Carolina, is, like I said, overwhelmingly white. Um, So most of my clients are poor white people. Okay. Um, And a lot of them had bad families that they grew up with a lot of trauma in their childhoods and then they um didn't have a great education which i'm not trying to shit on teachers around here or anything but just um the the fact of the matter is our education system doesn't really do a lot for people who don't have like a home 
system that's going to help them um, succeed in school. Like, I was extremely privileged when I was in, in school because my parents were, you know, middle class, um, educated white people who were able to kind of encourage me to get good grades and, and they read to me every night and made sure that I was literate and bought me books and, you know, taught me things. And a lot of people's parents just aren't like that. Like they don't have, they don't learn at home. They don't have like a, a priority on priority on education. And so then if you don't have a lot of education, you come from like a poor family, you don't really have much going for you. You're going to end up getting involved in criminal activity. You're going to get involved with other people who are involved in criminal activity. And so, um, you know, that's that's just kind of the sad cycle. And then those people will end up having kids that uh, end up in, you know, foster care because their parents are in jail. And then it just starts the cycle all over again. So. Hmm. Not to get super heavy on your podcast. No, 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 no. No, I want you to. That's a whole fucking point. And that's why we're talking is, I mean, I, I, I don't want to sit with a, a criminal defense attorney in the United States of America and then just, like, talk about the happy upside of your gig. I mean, I want to hear the real shit. And so what you're basically saying is that <clears throat> most of the people that you defend are, are white members of society who didn't have the same benefits and resources and privileges as a lot of other people and ended up on the wrong side of the law as a result of that. And now. And I'm not saying I don't have any minority clients. I would still say that there is a lot of inherent racism in the criminal justice system. And mm -hmm. so even though like the county that I work in, the vast majority of the population is white, um, the minorities in the courtroom are probably targeted more. You really think so? I do. Yeah. Is it is it blatant? I mean, do you see it and you're just like, oh, here we go again. They're I mean, throwing the book at Brownie. It's not like I'm seeing cops calling people the N-word. Um, right. I'm not seeing that kind of thing. It's more, but it's more like subtle. kind yeah, kind of an, a, a subtle assumption that this person, um, you know, is a specific race. And so they're probably committing a crime. That's a so we're going to we're going to investigate <clears throat> this a little more. And, you know, they do that with with white people, too. But um yeah, racism is alive and well in America, and oh, I think I people don't yeah. really think about that all the time. I, I, well, I, I I don't think that it's they don't think about it. I think it's they ignore it because it's easier for them to say, no, nah, man, racism isn't as, as, as strong as it used to be. We did all away with all of that, and that makes them feel nice and happy and warm in their little, you know, bubble. But the reality is racism is still very much a, a, a thing in the United States. So... What you're basically telling me is that from your perspective and experience as a criminal defense attorney is that poverty in the United States usually leads to criminal behavior to some degree. Yes. As a result of an inaccess to systems and benefits and, and support that would allow them to move up in the world in a way that is legal. Yes. Exactly. And, and do you think that the system at large is geared to suckle of that teat to milk that for as much as possible to perpetuate that cycle so that there are still people that are in jails there are still people that are paying fines and getting caught up in the court system i mean i think that's a really um discouraged way of looking at it because <laughs> if you're thinking that you know the government is set up to profit off of criminals so we need to make sure that there are more criminals that's i don't think that's the case okay good that's because that's basically what i was asking right but i think it's more that like 
there's a group of politicians who don't particularly know uh, the experience of, I mean, the vast majority of politicians, I would say, don't know the experience of, like, the American poor. Right. And so when they look at people, if you've never really been involved in the criminal justice system, you've never really, like, been involved with social work or... Um, any of these kind of like s- structural programs, you probably just look at people and say, oh, well, these are bad people. Like these are, right. you know, these are criminals. They need to be punished. Right. And so if you're looking at it that way, then you're not going to put an emphasis on, you know, funding programs that can help people get out of that cycle. Right. You're going to focus on putting funding towards prisons and making sure that these people get what they deserve. You right. Know? Exactly. Um, and And I think it's just that there's there's two ways of looking at it and i think the people in power tend to look at it in the way of uh you know these people these people are bad we need to we need to protect society from them as opposed to we need to protect the people from becoming this exactly yes and so my question is <clears throat> well aren't aren't most lawmakers traditionally and and probably more mostly still in the modern age former attorneys Yes. Okay. But so. you got to think that, I mean, and this is something that I think people who, you know, don't know lawyers, don't have lawyers in their family, um, that you don't really realize the vast scope of the law. Like, mm-hmm. um, there are very, very few attorneys who actually practice criminal law. Um, I mean, there's so many different paths that you can take. I think, you know, back 50 years ago, if you came out of law school and you went, you know, join your law firm or hang your own shingle, become your own, um, you know, boss, people were kind of a jack of all trades. Like you did some divorces, you did criminal law, you did wills, you did real estate, you did all kinds of shit. But now people are very specialized and attorneys can, you know, spend their entire career doing like one specific type of type of the law. And so, yeah, a lot of um, politicians have a law degree, but that doesn't mean they've ever been in a courtroom. Uh, okay. Okay, now let me ask you this. Do you enjoy what you do? I do, yeah. yeah. Why? Because um, I feel like I'm making a difference. Um, I feel like I'm good at it, which is, you know, narcissistic, but I do. I, I feel like I... In confidence. I, <laughs> I, um, I feel like there aren't a lot of people who care, um, and I do. And I also feel like a lot of people are in it for the wrong reasons, and I think that I'm not. Um, so, yeah, I enjoy it. You know, every day is an adventure. There's, I mean, like I said at the beginning, you've got to have kind of a, a fucked up sense of humor. And so I'm always <laughs> laughing about stuff that happens in my job, whether right. or not it's, like, politically correct. Um, but, yeah, it's it's entertaining. From from a military standpoint, from a military perspective, that defense mechanism of finding humor in the morbid, the morose, the the shitty, that's a defense mechanism that not just lawyers, but soldiers, people that work as EMTs, police officers, they all have that. <coughs> Excuse me, guys, I had to clear my throat. Um, doctors, doctors, all of them. Yes, yes, yeah. I have I have a really good friend that's a surgeon who has a just a super morbid sense of humor, and and I think that that's that's healthy. And necessary to defend you, your brain, from the horrible shit that you're exposed to on a regular basis. You have to be able to laugh about it because if you didn't, you would cry. Yeah. But I also think there's like a certain type of person who can do this kind of work um, because you're predisposed to like dealing with fucked up shit. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I had some friends in law school who, you know, were 
would never make it as trial lawyers and they would never make it especially as criminal criminal lawyers um because things would bother them mm-hmm. and i think it's it's both predisposition and also like you said a defense mechanism that you kind of develop so you're saying you have to be kind of tough i think yeah way. i think you have to be kind of tough but i also think you have to be kind of um open and not particularly uptight so <clears throat> accepting of the reality of the human existence the human condition yeah and yeah. understanding that the people you're going to work with are well, the, the result of the society that we live in i mean this is capitalism this is this is american capitalism yeah i guess i meant it more as like every defense attorney i know and i'm not going to really loop prosecutors into this because not all the prosecutors I know are like this, but every defense attorney I know is extremely sarcastic. Mm. We're all kind of dark. We all kind of have a dark sense of humor. And I think we were probably that way before we started this job. Okay. And that's why we're able to do it. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah, sure. I get it. I get it. So that you, you are constantly exposed to darker, morbid, kind of miserable things. Yeah. And it's a lot of drugs in Surrey. It's a lot it's of meth. A lot, a lot, well, I mean, it's a lot of drugs everywhere, but... um. Meth is kind of the drug of choice that we have right now. In this area. Yeah, and fentanyl is starting to be um That's growing everywhere, isn't it? Yeah. So they're cutting meth, cocaine, heroin. They're cutting everything with fentanyl, and that's what's really dangerous. Tell everybody what fentanyl is. I don't exactly know. I think it's like an anesthetic. Um, I think it's something that they use like in hospitals when they're putting somebody to sleep or, or doing some kind of surgery. Um, I think it's an opiate, but I'm not positive to be honest with you and um yeah the i all i know is that a lot of the drugs that i'm seeing in the courtroom um are being cut with it and that makes it extremely likely to kill somebody so you can overdose on fentanyl a lot easier than if you're just like taking cocaine right um you're not really likely to just od on cocaine but if your cocaine is cut with fentanyl like that's going to cause you to overdose does fentanyl get you high i don't know i've never done it so um Yeah. Drugs aren't exactly my thing. I don't yeah. I don't have a lot of drug knowledge as I'm sitting here to be honest. Same. So uh I'm probably not the right person to ask about that, but I should I should probably research that and find out. Well, I mean, I guess in your your job though, it doesn't even really matter that you understand the the particulars of what the fucking drug is. You only need to know the laws surrounding that that drug and how it affects your client. Right. I mean, the the stuff that I kind of focus on when it comes to like drugs is if it's like some kind of impaired case where like a like a dwi where somebody's alleged to have been on drugs Mm -hmm. um then that's when you get more kind of scientific about it because you have to start thinking okay well was there enough drugs in this person's system to really get them like fucked up enough to Mm -hmm. you know reach the level or whatever um in just like a possession case the only thing that we can really do is find out if it actually is what the state is saying it is Mm -hmm. so that's when you you know bring in your own experts who test the drugs that were confiscated and um, find out if it actually is what they say it is because a lot of times these people on the streets are just buying shit they don't know what it is they assume that it's meth but it might not be and if it's not actually meth then they like you know can't be convicted so. mm. okay so now when we're talking you- you're saying you do a lot of drugs you don't do a lot of drugs you do a lot of cases involving drugs That's and correct. i'm assuming the, the majority of that is they were caught they had possession of drugs and now you're defending them 
Yeah. I mean, it's a mix of caught just possessing them or caught with the intent to sell them. Uh, And then, like I said, you kind of get up to trafficking levels. And you're in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. So how hard is North Carolina on drug offenders? Um, I would say that North Carolina is not nearly as hard as Virginia. Virginia's and harder. The reason I know that is my best friend is a public defender in Lynchburg, and um, I don't know Virginia law, um, but I do know from talking with her that Virginia is a lot stricter on a lot of things. Um, so, you know, if you want to do drugs, probably do them in North Carolina. Don't do them in Virginia. <laughs> but, like, if you do them in North Carolina, like, there's a chance you're going to prison, too. So, like, you know. Not that just... we're advocating for doing drugs. She's exactly. just saying. Okay. Okay. So, North Carolina is much more lenient than Virginia. Now. I wouldn't say much more, but it's but somewhat, it is. It somewhat is. more lenient, okay. yes. So, when you're practicing law, you probably, so there's local, federal, and state laws, right, that you have to interact with when you're doing this? Mm, kind of. So I can give a little overview of uh, of the, the courts, which is something that I didn't know until law school, but it's kind of important for, like, you know, humans. Yeah, please do. Give it to the, yeah, layman. Explain it like I'm five. Okay. So you have um, really two, two, kind, two kinds of courts. You have state courts and federal courts. Okay. Um. Federal courts are going to have federal statutes that are codified by the the Congress. So your senators and your congressmen are the ones who are going to make those laws. That can be criminal laws. That can be any other kind of laws. Um, codified meaning made law. Made into law, yes. Okay. Um, so your, your U.S. representatives and your U.S. senators make those laws. Okay. And then you have federal courts that go from the Supreme Court down to what are called circuit courts that are like several states, you know, are in the same circuit. Like, for example, we're in the Fourth Circuit, which is Maryland, Virginia, North Carolina, and South Carolina, I think. Mm-hmm. I, that might be wrong, and then I'm going to be really embarrassed, but I think that's what it is. I get what you're saying. And then you have your local federal courts, which, like in North Carolina, we have three. We have the Eastern District, the Middle District, and the Western District. Okay. So those are, like, you can start there. And if you're charged with a federal crime, you're going to start in federal court. Um, or you can have a state case go federal. So, like, in state cases, you have each state has their own laws that are written by their representatives, delegates, senators, whatever you whatever, call them. Yeah. And then those go from the state Supreme Court. Then below that is the, the state court of appeals. And then below that is your trial court. Okay. So you have, um, you know, like your superior district court circuit, district court, whatever it's called in your particular state. So, for example, you can have somebody who's charged with, like, drug trafficking at the state level because there's a state law that says you can't traffic drugs. But then there's also a U.S. federal law that says you can't traffic drugs. So somebody who's charged in the state could then get picked up by the feds and then they could be indicted, which just means charges are brought against them in federal court, which is going to have much stricter punishments. Um, So... That's why you also hear about there's federal prisons and state prisons. Right. Um, federal prisons are like where Martha Stewart went or, you know, Snoop Dogg. Mm. Um, mm. But state prisons are kind of the more common ones that you, you know, hear about. So. Do you know River North? I do. Is that a state? It is. Okay. That is a, a Virginia state. Uh, a lot of the local facility. folks around here are all about that. They work there. A lot of them work there. So mm-hmm. I was one of those. So that's a state. 
that's a state prison. And that's a high-level one, too, right? I don't know what level of security it is there. I think they said four. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the, know what what that the levels are now. <laughs> no. It's bad. They said they're mostly, like, murderers and shit. Like, there's a lot of, like, real badasses in there that are that are never leaving. Yeah. So it's that kind of prison. Yeah. Okay, so, okay. You just broke down the court system. Is there anything else you want to add to that? Yeah. Okay. So let's say... Mo- well, mo- let me ask you this. The the guys that you defend... And girls. The, the guys and girls that you defend, the people that you defend, do they largely stay at the state level, or is it common that they go up to the federal level? It is extremely rare they go to the federal level. Ah, and um, that is probably, like, the really bad shit, right? Well, I mean, you have federal... Like, white-collar crime is typically only going to be federal. Okay, um, money. Like, yeah, tax tax fraud. Like, if somebody is, you know, getting in trouble with the IRS, that's always going to be a federal crime. Okay. Unless it's like a, you know, you're not paying your state taxes, but most people who aren't paying their state taxes are also not paying their federal taxes. So that's going to, you know, make it like a federal crime. Um, is that common? People just dodging taxes? I don't, I, I think it's more common than you probably would think, but mm. I don't, I don't do that kind of stuff, so I don't really know you the answer to that you don't question. those cases. Okay. But, um, yeah, I've had, I will say the cases that I've had that have gone federal are Drug trafficking cases where people just had an absolute fuck ton of drugs. Okay. Um, and those cases, they're usually trying to get the bigger fish. You know what I mean? They'll use kind of like the local supplier to testify against a bigger guy, to testify against a bigger guy, to ultimately find, you know, the person who... The kingpin. Exactly. Um, so those go federal. I've had a couple of sex cases go federal, like um, like kitty porn cases. Those go federal. Ooh, yeah. Um, and I've had some weapon of mass destruction cases go federal, Fuck off. which is not what you would think it is. It's not actually as fun as you think it sounds. Um, it can, uh, in North Carolina, a sawed off shotgun can be a weapon of, of mass destruction. What? Yeah. Um, that's stupid. What's really common is like pipe bombs. Okay. Um, so mm-hmm. those, those can be weapons of mass destruction. So those are like the, the cases that I've had go federal. Um, you, you've defended people that had what the law considered to be. A weapon of mass destruction. Yes. Wow. And and what happens to those folks mostly? I bet they go to jail, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a it's it's not as high of a level felony as you would think. Um, but that's because when you hear weapon of mass destruction, you think like a nuke, right? Yeah, like a biological chemical or a nuclear weapon. Yeah, right? and it's not. Um no. so I mean know. if you're killing like fucking twenty people or more, fucking five or ten people, that's 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 mass destruction. Well, like, and like, you know, you think about the Boston Marathon bombers. That yeah, was a weapon sure. of okay. mass destruction. And that was like what, a like a pressure cooker with they like had a nails pressure and cooker shit with a bunch of yeah, homemade yeah. explosives and so, nails. I mean, that's bad, but like a sawed off shotgun could technically also kill a bunch of people at once. But, like, you don't look at that the same way. I see. You know what I'm saying? So that's why the ones that I've dealt with have been lower-level felonies because it's not to the same level, I think, as as most people would think when they hear weapon of mass destruction. Right, yeah. That that that's a that must so what one thing that I've learned is that, like, nomenclature in the court system might be completely different from what we know as one thing or another. Just because society is not dictated by the courts, you right. know. So, like, like for example, so when I get appointed to a client, I have um, the court has them fill out kind of an application for an attorney, mm-hmm. and you know they have to put all their personal information and they have to talk about their finances to prove to the court that they can't afford to hire one. Mm-hmm. But there's a, a space on that form that asks what they're charged with, and so usually the clerks who are helping these people fill the forms out will just write that in but sometimes the people will write it in themselves and people do not know what they're charged with which is hilarious because they will be 
like totally wrong about what they think they're charged with. And um, I had somebody who was charged with reckless driving and they put that they were charged with grand theft auto. Holy fuck. Which is not actually a crime in North Carolina, but also that is like way worse than what they were actually charged with. So, you know. <laughs> they play too many video games. Yeah. So would you say that a lot of the folks that you interact with, a lot of the people down at that level, or I, I guess I shouldn't say down at that level because that's no, cool. it's I I do I do lower level. Yeah. I'm not you know I'm not up here, I'm not Johnny Cochran. I'm not, yeah right you know. right right. If the glove does not fit, you must quit. Yeah, that's not you. Um, so down at that level of court system and that level of cr- criminal activity, most of these folks are probably they. But they have lesser education. They, yeah, it's very... Does that make it more difficult for you to defend them because they just don't know what the fuck is going on? To some extent. I mean, I will say it's very rare that I come across somebody who has a college degree. Oh, wow. Um, and it's, 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 it's astounding to me how many people don't have a high school diploma. Because okay. I thought nowadays, like, you pretty much had to stay in school until you're 18. Like, I didn't know it was an option to drop out anymore. But apparently it is because I have, you know, lots of clients who are my age and younger who you know have like a ninth grade education and that's absolutely ridiculous for 2019 yeah um yeah but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're you know not intelligent or whatever it's it's there are some people who are have very very limited intelligence that i deal with and those are the hard ones because they just fundamentally don't understand what's going on right um but then you know you've also got people who are really smart and they you know know what's up and they could be either street smart um because they've been through the the system before or they could just you know be like biologically intelligent people who you know it's not like i have to sit there and explain it to them like they're five i you know can have they get it yeah they get it and so it it really depends but um okay have you ever worked with anybody where you were like jesus this dude is a fucking criminal mastermind someone that blew you away with how slick they were how smart they were not yet but i'm waiting that's probably because the they haven't been caught right like well, <laughs> those folks don't end up in criminal court those folks probably aren't hanging out in surrey county north carolina ah taking a dig at the hills of north carolina just saying yeah it's probably true though there ain't no shame in that game if, if for those of you who aren't from the area surrey grayson carroll you know the general area that holly and i are from is not it's not exactly host to uh, Rhodes Scholars and, um, you know, the the, the, sh- the brightest of the society that we live in. They're, you know, like the area is full of lots of good people. I'm not saying there aren't people that aren't intelligent in the area, but these are mostly like hill, country, super rural, dirt road. And that goes back to what I was saying about resources, because you have really smart people around here, but they don't have anybody to encourage them right. to uh you I'm know pursue go for it okay they don't th- nobody nobody supports them right nourishes that intellect that might exist thank you very much you're very welcome <sighs> poured that on the floor you guys perfect aim okay so now when we're talking about what it is that you do criminal defense attorney you're not technically trying to get them off of the charges most of the time, right? You're probably, yeah, I am. Well, you're, Hell yeah, I am. Okay, so you're always trying to get them off of the charges. Yeah. Okay. Well, I thought maybe, like, when, do you ever, you must have cases where you're like, this dude's guilty as fuck. Like, he did it. Yeah. And in those cases. It's to, it's to make sure they're fairly well, taken care of that's by the law? The se- that's the secondary priority. Okay. Uh, The first priority is to either find a defense for your client. So, like, you know. 
find a reason to say they didn't do it mm-hmm. or um you know it, it whatever they did wasn't actually a crime they didn't mean to um something like that but then if if like you know that they're guilty and they meet they check all the boxes of what the law says yeah. then the next thing you do is you go after the cops and you try to say the cops fucked this up so this person's constitutional rights were infringed upon so you can't find them guilty because the cops fucked up huh so you start off by trying to say yeah my person's innocent or if not innocent then at least they shouldn't be held accountable for this but if it's like you know they're guilty then the next the next um kind of line of attack is to go after the cops and then if the cops did their jobs right which I hope, you know, I would love it if the cops did their jobs right in every in every case. Um then you plead them guilty and then then your next job is to make sure that they get the best sentence possible. Um so it's kind of three levels. I see. And do you have any philosophical qualms with the job that you have to do? Do you ever run into cases where you're like, "Fuck, I hate that I have to defend this asshole?" I don't, but I mean, I so in August, I will have been practicing for long enough that I can start doing the, the higher level stuff, which will get me up to pretty much everything except first degree murder. Um, so I'll be able to do like the high level sex crimes and, you know, mm. high level uh, assaults and that kind of thing. Um, I think those I might, you know, have a little bit more trouble with, but honestly, I don't really look at that, look at it that way. And I think most criminal defense attorneys don't look at it that way. Um, and we get this question a lot. You know, people are always like, how can you sleep at night knowing that you're like trying to get right. this, you know, horrible right. person back on the streets? But the way I look at it is more like I'm trying to help people, like I said, who are in a bad situation and don't really have a choice a lot of the time. And I'm protecting the Constitution of the United States because right. I am making sure that people are not getting locked up for shit they didn't do or for shit that they did but that they shouldn't have gotten caught for like and that sounds bad but you know if somebody is just minding their own business doing drugs in their own house and the cops bust in and arrest everybody without any reason breaking the rules right then that is that is not how the constitution is supposed to work you know we have rights in this country and so i look at it like i'm protecting those rights for everybody else that is man that is a uh, we are constantly exposed in the modern age to lots lots of oh she banged it again lots of lots of um opinion and fluff and bullshit basically about our laws and about our country and about things in the way that they work that is counter to what the constitution of the United States sets forth and i see that on such a regular basis especially on fucking of course social media but people <clears throat> they most people fail to recognize the significance of that one document of what the constitution is and why it exists and what it provides for you, me and every person that you defend. And so is that something that you think about on a regular basis as you're defending these folks? Or was the constitution violated here? Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. That's um, like I said, you know, that's kind of like the second place you go. Like the first place you go is, you know, is this person just flat out innocent? Right. Um, and if that's the case, then that's when I get really mad. Um, because if, if somebody is accused of doing something that they just straight up didn't do, that's those are the cases yeah. that get me really fired up. But then the second... You is know, that common? Is that very common? Um, It's, you know, occasionally, yeah. And I will say this. A lot of times people who are in jail 
plead guilty to stuff they didn't do or they say they didn't because they're do, fucking ignorant of the system right? no because they want to get out uh-huh. of jail and the only way they can get out of jail is to plead guilty and which take a lighter sentence or yeah something. so and that's heartbreaking i mean i hate it every time every wow. time i have a client who's sitting across from me you know between glass I'm talking to somebody who's in an orange jumpsuit and they say, I didn't do this, but I want to plead guilty because I need to get out of here. Like, I've got to get out of here today. And they say, so I'll take the misdemeanor if they reduce the felony because I'll get time served and I'll get out. Those I hate because it just makes me feel These people got fucked. Well, it just, it feels like, you know, people are desperate. So they're willing to have something on their criminal record for the rest of their lives. Just to get the fuck out of jail. To get the fuck out of jail because probably they're poor. Oh, man. Because they can't afford bond. They can't afford to be in jail. Is the they other thing, they right? can't. Yeah. If they have kids that they need to right. get back to and they don't have anybody on the outside who can, you know, help them out, um, you know, they're desperate. And, and so that's that's common. That's huh? pretty common. Yeah. Fuck. Um, I would say I see that, you know, at least every couple weeks I have somebody who tells me just, you know, I straight up did not do this, but I got to plead guilty because I just got to get out of here. Like, I don't Fuck. I don't even want to try to fight this. Um, that's so, terrifying. Yeah. And I mean, that's, you know, that's like a nationwide problem. That's not an around here problem. That that reinforces the ideology that a lot of what the United States court system and criminal system is, is an arm of capitalism. It's it's capitalizing on the the idea that we got them. Oh, yeah. Well, and the thing is, so this is we're kind of getting into the weeds here, but, you know, mm. um. So bond guidelines, bond is, or bail, it's called, it's the same thing, basically. Right. Um, Get out of jail until you go to Until your trial, right? Right. So, so the reason to have it is to say this person is a harm to their self or others. Um, So if we let them out, you know, they're, they're possibly going to go commit another crime or this person is a flight risk. They're going to run and never come back to court. Um, So... The bond guidelines that we have, like in, in my county, and I think most places are like this, are not based off of how much money a person has or how much money they make. They're based off of what they're charged with. So, like, you could have a rich person charged with the same thing as a poor person, and they're going to have the same bond. So the rich person is obviously going to be able to get out, um, and the poor person's going to sit there in jail, right. you know, for months until their case can be heard. I have read about this and I read, I can't remember what nation it was. Maybe it was Spain. I'm feeling like it was Spain where they instituted a system where it's proportionate to your general value, your, your mm-hmm. wealth. So this, this one asshole who's rich out of his mind and was driving around in a fucking Lamborghini doing like 200 miles an hour, being totally unsafe, got a speeding ticket for $58,000. And he was like, this is outrageous. And they were like, fuck you. It's, it's, it's hitting you the same way that it's hitting a person at the normal level who gets a $200 ticket so that you learn from what you've done, son. Yeah. Do you think that's something that we should do here? I mean, kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. That's different from bond or bail, right? Because that's basically saying we're going to fine you based off. But your isn't income. bond and bail sort of the same thing? It's a, it's almost like a fine that they have to pay. Like you committed yeah. a crime, and now to to get well, out of jail till your trial, you have to pay this. The thing is, though, they're innocent until proven guilty. So right. you're saying you committed a crime, so we're going to hold you because we're afraid you're going to go commit more crimes. But the thing is, they haven't been proven guilty, guilty yet. Right. So somebody's sitting in jail for something that the state hasn't proven yet. Um, and, you know, the the problem is when you have people like I was talking about a minute ago who plead guilty to stuff that they say they didn't do or maybe they would have had, you know, a, a good defense to if they had pursued it, but they needed to get out of jail. So they take this charge. They've got it on their record. The next time they get picked up on something, that's going to make it 
harder like their their bond will be higher because their record is worse so it mm. kind of just compounds and compounds to the point that you know people are gonna just You're fucked yeah and it might not be your fault even or maybe 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 your fault isn't as significant as the fault of a person who has more money well right i mean it's 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 disproportionate based on how much we're worth, I guess, at the end of the line, right? Like a poor person is going to get fucked a little bit hard, a lot harder. It sounds a lot like harder, yeah. than a person who has a bunch of money that can write it off or right. yeah, pay it off or fuck. And, and so, I mean, like if I, if I got arrested today, um, and say I got a $3,000 bond, my parents could come up with $3,000 if they needed to. Right. Sure. Or, you know, worst case scenario, they would go through a bondsman who would charge, you know, 10 to 20%. That's easy. My parents would have that easy. But for people who are living in a trailer park, have nothing, have no one, you know, maybe are getting disability mm. income, there's not going to be anybody out there who can come up with three grand to bond them out. And that's like right. a low, a low bond. The court system looks at that as like a low bond. You know, I have clients who are in jail on a $200,000 bond. Um, they're never going to get out because they're never going to have anybody who's going to be able to post that kind of money. Obviously. So, you know. So, so if, if you wanted to cap this part of the discussion off with the statement, would you say that the court system in the United States heavily leans in favor of the rich? Yes. But also, rich people are not the ones getting arrested. Right. Which is a whole different discussion we can have. That's, that's getting deeper into politics yeah. and society at large. Yeah. Huh. Holy shit. That's so much to like process at the moment. So you want to talk about like something a little lighter? <laughs> uh, no, I like getting into the deep shit because I'm learning stuff right now. That's what makes this so much fun. That's what it's like. One of the reasons that I like doing this show, this podcast is that I, I learn as I'm as I'm creating entertainment for the masses. I'm learning a whole bunch of crap. And, that's well, like, and hopefully ah. people who listen are learning, too. Yeah. Well, obviously kind of it's important. Must be. Yeah. It sounds like it's crazy important. And I, I don't know, although I kind of do like I, I've, I've been exposed to this stuff in the past and I've read about stuff like this. But it's not something that I like regularly contemplate in my day to day. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, we're so busy in our in our lives in America. We're such worker drones and we're so caught up in all of our shit that the average person isn't going to commit any of these crimes. Right? Well, like, and you're probably not going to know anybody who commits these crimes. Like, the, you know, the vast majority of the population. class kind of thing, class level. Well, sort of. yeah, but I mean, you know, most people are not personally affected by the criminal justice system. Like, you might right. be the victim of a crime sometime. Like, right. somebody might break into your car one day, and right. then it's like, that makes, you know, then you're going to have to go to court and testify against somebody, and you're going to be all indignant or whatever, but that might be, like, the only time you ever really have an interaction with the court system. And, you right. know, for some people, this is, like, an everyday thing. Like, I have clients who are in and out of the courtroom, like, weekly for different <laughs> stuff. Jesus. Yeah. And and it is your opinion, it sounds like, that, that that is largely the result of the societal system we have that doesn't help those people. Right. Oof. Oof. That's heavy. Oof. Yeah, that's heavy. It's <laughs> really heavy. As as Marty McFly would say, it's heavy, Doc. This is why al why uh, lawyers are alcoholics. Is that common? Oh, we're like the we have the highest suicide rate of Fuck. any profession and also the highest alcoholism or substance abuse rate. We have to so lawyers like a lot of professions, we have to like take classes, you know, every mm -hmm. every year to kind of keep your education fresh. Um and so it's mandatory that we take uh, substance abuse classes every, like, every other year. 
um, to, you know, remind us that being a drunk is a bad thing. Yeah. And if you need help, you can ask for it. But yeah, as an army veteran, I can identify they put us through tons of substance abuse things, because when you're exposed to the reality of human existence, the darker sides of the reality of human existence, I think that in American society, we are a lot of us, most of us, and, and even me now. We live in this like bubble of safety and security, our own little world, our own little routine where everything is nice and normal and involves like working for a paycheck and paying bills and watching TV and eating food that, you know, like, like drinking we just, really good wine. <laughs> right. Yeah. Drinking really good wine, which we have been this entire time. It is so delicious. Um, and and we we forget and we 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 become numb to and ignorant of the reality of our world. And people that live and and exist constantly in the reality of our world, like lawyers or soldiers or law enforcement or EMTs, those folks. Social workers. Social workers. Constantly exposed to the darker sides of humanity that doesn't get the airtime in our headspace or on our entertainment that all the other happier, fluffier shit is. And when I, you know, this conversation is interesting because it's a reminder of that. It's a reminder that the world that we live in is fucked up, man. It's a fucked up world. And we turn a blind eye to that because if we had to face it all the time, we would drink constantly. <laughs> and the poor bastards like yourself, not that you're a poor bastard, but the, the poor defense attorneys and the poor fucking deputies, deputy sheriff's deputies and the poor fucking EMTs who have to shoot Narcan into kids all the time. You guys soak that up. You're the buffer the 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 part of our society that absorbs all that shit i couldn't do it not anymore i had my three years in the army that was enough uh education enough exposure to the darkness of reality that was all i needed i i am not strong enough as a person to go live in that world and thrive that's why you gotta find the humor man yeah that's where the humor comes from that's where the humor comes from so so uh, on top of all that if you if the person listening is there something you'd like to say to them, maybe advice, or maybe just something you think they need to hear regarding what it is that you do? Well, actually, so I uh, looked over your, your 20 questions that you ask all your guests. Yeah, and, sure. And one of them was the parting shot, and so this was actually going to be my parting shot. Okay, okay, then I'll tell you what. Put a pin in it? We'll, we'll hold the parting shot until the end of that. And, and, and as long as we're talking about the 20 questions, do you want to move on to that? Yeah, but first, okay, go ahead. do you want to hear some fun stories of things that happen in the courtroom? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Please. Well, this is probably my favorite story that I've, like, favorite client that I've had in my office. Um, I've seen some crazy shit. Like I said, every day is an adventure. Every day I, like, come back to my office and I'll be like, you never, you will never believe, you know, what somebody told me or what happened in this case or whatever. Like, for example, I have an assault case that's been pending for months where a guy allegedly threw a milkshake at somebody else and so my mom who works in my office with me she calls that assault with a delicious weapon um sounds delicious yeah and so you know there's there's stuff like that but my favorite one i think i think you'll uh really laugh at this one and for anybody who has like a you know a sensitive uh disposition and you, you don't like vulgarity i apologize in advance but i had a client come in who had been charged with assault and um, he'd been charged by assault by his on-again, off-again girlfriend. And he said that, okay, this was when I was pretty new. So I'm, you know, 26-year-old woman sitting in my office. Um, this guy comes in. 
I've never met him before. You know, first conversation we have, he sits down, he says, well, my girlfriend came home. She's smoking some weed with a friend. And I'd been at work all day. I was tired. I just want to go to sleep. I'm looking at him like, oh, God, where's this going? Oh, no. He says, I got into bed and she crawled in with me. And she smelled bad. She hadn't had a shower in a couple of weeks. <laughs> Fuck. And she rolled over. She's trying to get something started. And I just, I was just tired. And she goes, well, hell, your dick ain't hard. <laughs> so then, ultimately, they had a fight because he couldn't get it up because she stunk and <laughs> he was tired. So... She went and took out assault charges on him. Because he wouldn't fuck her? Because he wouldn't fuck her. Because his dick couldn't get hard. Yeah. Because she smelled like shit. Well, so, you know, one of my favorite things, and this will probably, I'll never forget this in my whole legal career, is, well, hail, your dick ain't hard. <laughs> oh, no. I had a guy uh, who who was charged with violating a restraining order that his um, ex-wife had gotten against him because he set up a video projector of um like he he projected a image onto her garage door like he set it up in the like road or like on the sidewalk uh-huh. so it wasn't actually on her property uh-huh. projecting onto her garage door video of him having sex with other women <laughs> which is just the level of petty that i aspire to to yeah. be honest <laughs> That's some next level shit. Yeah. And I can tell you all of this because I'm not giving you names and all of this is public record. I mean, like, that's the You can the go fun find thing. this fucking shit. Yeah. I mean, like, if you, you can just go watch court and hear people say this shit. Like, the other day I had this woman um, who was charged in this big kind of redneck brawl where, like, some women came up to another, like, woman's trailer and they were trying to start a fight and everybody had baseball bats and they were, you know, <laughs> saying all this. So there was this teenage girl on the stand testifying in this trial and the prosecutor asked her she she was testifying she said yeah you know they they got out of the car and they were saying some stuff to us and so it was threatening whatever and they were just you know making fun of us and the prosecutor said well you know what did they say exactly and she said well am i allowed to like say the actual words and she pretty much didn't want to say curse you know we thought she didn't want to curse in front of the judge and the prosecutor was like yeah you can say you know exactly what it was like he he was thinking that she you know didn't want to say fuck out loud or something in court right and her response was well she said my aunt's pussy stunk (laughs) and we all just looked at each other like i wasn't expecting that that's not at all what i thought was gonna come out of this chick's mouth Uh -uh. oh man so that happens all the time oh yeah that's that's an everyday thing that's that's how you get through the day when you're dealing with uh with criminal defense problems no no well on the flip side of the coin, get a little darker for a second. Tell me one of the sadder cases that you've had to deal with that you think is relevant to um anything, our, our discussion. This is not a criminal case, but the worst case that I've had was actually, I, I used to do, when I first started, I was doing a lot of different types of court-appointed cases, um, and now I've kind of narrowed down what I really enjoy, but, um, I was doing some DSS work where, you know, DSS comes in Department and of social service. Yes. Okay. And takes kids from their parents because they think they've either been abused or neglected. Um, and then the kids end up in foster care and, um, the parents are, you know, working to try to get them back. So I had a case where, um, and I can't get into a lot of detail about this one, but, okay. um, I had some really young parents who, were doing their absolute best. I mean, these were like, you know, 
teenage pregnancy kind of situation and um they had a baby who was born extremely premature very very fragile baby had a lot of health issues was in the NICU for like a long long time um and these people were you know really good parents and uh the baby ended up having some broken bones and DSS came in and alleged that these parents had assaulted their child and caused these broken bones. When, in fact, this baby was just fragile. And these teenagers, you know, were doing their best. Mm-hmm. And maybe they, you know, were putting their child in the seat, in the car seat, you know, wrong or whatever. But they did not intentionally, like, break these babies, this baby's bones. And we ended up having a three-day-long trial where they were trying to just make it look like they intentionally came and broke their, you know, six-month-old baby's bones and um it was horrible i mean it was it was absolutely horrible and that was one of those cases where i got so fired up because i just knew that they didn't do it it was like i knew that they hadn't done anything wrong that well, they well why is dss so like hardcore why do they have such a bone um well here's my cynical answer and you know i might get some shit for saying this on a public podcast but if a cute white baby is uh adoptable dss wants it um, mm. so they fight a hell of a lot harder to take babies away that they know they can adopt out, um, than, you know, older kids who really nobody wants, Fuck. which, yeah, that's real, real dark, real fucked up, but, um, it's the truth. And so why, why, I mean, is, is that something you see regularly? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, DSS will fight real, real hard against parents who have babies that are adoptable that, that, you know, people in the community want they want to take those babies away and then give mm-hmm. them to better families mm-hmm. yep because you'll have you'll have foster parents who say you know we want to adopt a baby mm-hmm. they'll place the baby with the with the foster parents the foster parents absolutely fall in love with it and they you know want to adopt it and if the baby goes back to its parents then obviously that kind of throws a wrench in that plan and like i said this is this is my opinion this is not like sure i'm not i'm not trying to shit on dss but i kind of am shitting on dss but like no, I mean, it's it's common knowledge that, you know, kids who are 11, 12 years old and have... They're much harder to adopt. Well, yeah. not just because of that, but, you know, most of the kids that DSS deals with have, like, severe trauma in their past. Right. And, you know, they might have some anger issues. They might have some learning disabilities. They're yeah. You know, they've got stuff going on. Harder to, to raise and, up. Yeah, and so you don't have people standing in line for, for them. But if you have a newborn whose mom was, you know, on heroin while she was pregnant and the baby comes out and is detoxing instead of like trying to work with the mom to get rid of her drug problem, they're going to try to adopt that baby out to somebody who wants it. So sounds to me like you have a very um, humanist uh, benefit of the people stance on most things. Yeah. That's because I'm a Democrat. Ah, there it is. (laughs) So, um, uh, I just I would like to say before we proceed that the purpose of Pour Me Another is to entertain. Politics, we are all in America politically leaning one way or another. That's just how things are now. You know, we're we're in the we're living in the age of identity politics. There there are people listening who are conservative, there are people listening who are liberal. And when I have a guest on my show, it is not to promote one ideology over another. But it is good, and I like to hear those opinions from people that are conservative or are liberal or are maybe moderate. Either way, Holly has identified herself mm-hmm. as a Democrat, and that's okay. I mean, I'm sitting here in my Cory Booker 2020 t-shirt. I don't know who Cory Booker is. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't that's know okay. Is. I'll forgive you. Yeah, thank you. Um, I, I, I personally am politically very moderate. I 
I love the tenets of capitalism and also believe that the government's job is to protect the people and, and ensure their maximum welfare at the same time, uh, while ensuring the welfare of the free markets that flow. But it's, it's, it is a well-known fact among capitalist nations, the people will be taken advantage of on without the proper protection. And it sounds to me like Holly, you have experienced a lot of instances where people who do not benefit from capitalism are receiving the short end of the stick in the legal system. Is that accurate? Yeah, I would say so. Okay. Okay. That's really interesting. We went from your pussy stinks to sad stories about um, kids who can't get adopted. That to, to me, to me. Welcome to every day in my job. Yeah, that's yeah, right. That's 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 where you thrive. Now, now going back to uh, a more sort of technical analysis of your job. It's been my experience that in most lines of work, you have to sit at the shit table for a while and then eventually you get moved to a better table. Like when I was in when I was a pilot, you once you completed your training, you had to flight instruct, which sucked. You had to do that for like two, three years until you built time and then you could move up to a regional airline and fly those, you know, Barbie fun jets. And then after some of that, you move up to maybe a mid-sized airliner, yada, yada, et cetera, and so on. It's probably, it sounds like the same in being an attorney that you, you work as a criminal defense attorney. This is one way, maybe there are other ways, but this is one way for you to build experience and credibility as an attorney. And then next comes... Well, so for me, I mean, I'm planning on I'm planning on sticking with criminal defense. I'm not trying to like change my direction as far as what I want to do with my legal career. You've but, landed in that niche. Yeah, but as far as um moving up, I guess to more complicated cases, um the way our our district does it and this is it, it really just kind of depends on where you're at because you know, if you go and join a huge law firm, your opportunity for advancement is going to be a lot smaller. Um I'm lucky that I'm my own boss, so I kind of can control what kind of cases I want to do at any given time. Um, but there are also, you know, regulations within the legal profession about what you're allowed to do because you are not going to have somebody graduate from law school, pass the bar and then try a murder case. Like that's just not, right. you know, that's, that's ethically wrong. Right. So, um, you know, I started off doing misdemeanors. Um, I moved up to start, I'm doing, like I said, lower level felonies. And then come August, um, I'm going to move up to higher level felonies. Why? What what happens in August? Then? Um, I'll have been practicing for three years, and that's so, a, that's a time frame that's important. That's a time frame that's important just for my district right. because every district has kind of different rules about that. Okay. But you know, just generally, the longer you've been practicing, the more experience you have, the bigger stuff you can handle because they kind of think you know, handling somebody's misdemeanor larceny is a lot lower risk than handling somebody's high level sex case. Okay. You know, so it's just kind of a a time and experience thing. Um, you get paid marginally better for doing um you know higher level crimes if you're appointed like i am if you were charging you know if i was if i was uh privately retained in every case i would obviously be charging a hell of a lot more for you know a drug trafficking case than oh, yeah. a, a, you know possession of weed but um so that's so that's okay so that's another question that i have is that when we're talking about different levels of attorneying <laughs> practicing the <laughs> lawyering. law lawyering Attorneying is is my esquiring shit. Yeah, right. Um, working for you, you have your own office. I do, and so you can take private cases if you want. If people come to you, mm -hmm. but you sort of are like a contract defense attorney for the state. Yes, 
but you're not an actual public defender, which right. means a public defender is an employee with the with uh, the credentials public, of an attorney. So a public defender is a state employee who gets a salary. So okay. they're not paid per case. Right. They're paid a, a yearly salary, and they work in an office with other public defenders. They have staff. They okay. have, you know, a budget for office supplies right. and all that kind of stuff. They get, you know, state insurance, state retirement, those kind of things. I don't get any of that. So um, why why did you make the choice to go your own route and start your own office as opposed to be a public? Defender? So I interned in a public defender's office when I was in law school, and I loved it. Um, absolutely loved it. And that office was great. I would, you know, I would love it if I worked in a public defender's office. And I've been offered a job in a public defender's office, but I didn't want to do that because this gets into like personal stuff. But I my my family's from here. I wanted to come back to this area and we don't have a public defender's office here. So, uh. you know, I'm doing the same work. I'm just doing it a different way. And do you intend to stay in the area and, yeah, and grow I do. your office? I do, and do yeah. Anything? Yeah. Okay. All right, cool. Okay, I get that. That's a personal choice thing. But I mean, for other people, public defender's offices are are um hard jobs to come by for in the legal market now because Debt, you can get debt forgiveness um, if you work in either for the government or for a nonprofit. And this is like, this is a longer conversation than we have time for today. But mm -hmm. a lot of people want to work in a public defender's office or a DA's office or something because like that, that because they can get loan forgiveness. Yeah. So those jobs, I mean, they, they have hundreds of applicants for every position. Backlog. Um, yeah. So, you know, for a lot of people, it's just that, that those jobs are unicorns and they can't get one but around here it's it might be a little bit more available i wonder so hmm. you've really uh you've hit me with like so much information you got the feels now yeah dude it's 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 <clears throat> excuse me guys it, it it is it sounds like it's a uh, an abyss yeah. Oh, and I could go on and on and, and on, on and on and on. And I could ask like 9,000 more questions. I have so the, the, the court system, the legal system in the United States, the legal system anywhere really is one of those things where it turns into an unending quagmire. There's so fucking much to it. And there's so many levels. And that's why being an attorney is such a specialized. Isn't it like, what was the old school thing? Like moms wanted their daughters to marry doctors and lawyers back in the day. And, and I didn't really understand that. As a kid, I was like, big fucking deal. They like do the law or, you know, they like fix bodies. And then as I got older and I grew up and I understood what a doctor does and what a lawyer does, I realized, holy shit, like it fucking never ends. There's a sea of information you guys have to absorb and know and understand in terms yeah. of taking and care now, of people. And now moms just want their sons to marry lawyers. Man. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Gender equality, baby. <laughs> Okay, so we we have uh, we have we have deep dived into your uh, your career as an attorney. Let's um let's move on to the guest questions, the, cool. the standard twenty questions. I uh, uh, Holly and I before we started tonight, we were we were talking about um uh, my inspiration for doing uh like a conversation first and then the questions later. And the reason that I do that, and I, I mentioned this to her, is because when I was a kid, I used to watch a show called Inside the Actor's Studio. And uh, I loved that at the end, he had this like set list of questions he would ask people. And the, the answers to those were always so cool. But it was like a neat capstone to the conversation that had taken before. So that's why I do that. Um, so, all right, we're going to move on to the guest questions. The first question is, when and where were you born? I was born on December 2nd, 1990 in Galax, Virginia. Yeehaw! So I am 
am a Sagittarius. Ah. And I am 28 years old. 28 year old Sagittarius. I don't know anything about. I, I know I'm a Scorpio, but I don't know what that means. That makes a little, so much sense for you. Does it really? Yeah. Okay. I know a lot about astrology. It's become kind of like one of my new hobbies. Oh. Yeah. That could be a whole other podcast. Okay. Hey, before we go any further, I wanted to ask you something. You you just were in New Orleans, right? I was. Is that why you're wearing fleur de lis earrings? That is why I'm wearing fleur de lis earrings. Thank okay. you for noticing. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted yeah. to ask you about that. Yeah. Because, uh, uh, the fleur d'Alie is a, uh, originally it was a, traditionally it's a French, um, symbol. I don't know. I don't remember what the fleur d'Alie meant in French culture, but it became popular in, um, New Orleans culture because New Orleans is heavily influenced by the French, mm-hmm. like the St. Louis, or I'm not so fucking, what am I talking about? The New Orleans saints, their emblem is a fleur de lis right yep. like a black fleur de lis on a gold background i think or something. i don't, watch I don't know football, anyway yeah so okay i just she's wearing these pretty black fleur de lis earrings from new orleans okay all right so that was number one number two what did you want to be when you grew up so i wanted to be a writer like a novelist oh. um and when i was really little i would write little stories and read them to my parents okay um and then when i was in like middle school i remember i used to get these tiny little notebooks from staples they came in like a three pack um and i would write on the front of they were different colors like there would be red blue and black or green yellow and purple or something in these little three packs and i would write on the front in these like big sharpie the name of my little book that i was writing and i would write stories i was such a fucking nerd man that's okay i'm still a fucking nerd um But I would write stories and then I would let my friends read them in band class because in (laughs) band class in middle school, we were like, uh, we would be bored a lot because one section would be, you know, practicing. practicing. So the other kids are just kind of sitting there and we had to be quiet. And so I would be like, you know, just writing away in my little staples notebooks. And then I would like hand them down the row and let my little friends read my stories and (laughs) give feedback on what they wanted the characters to do next. Yeah, I was a little nerd. What did you play in the band? I played clarinet. Oh, my brother played clarinet. Yeah, my best friend, um, actually, that came up this weekend while we were in New Orleans, and she was like, of course you played clarinet. That's such a whore instrument. And I was like, thanks. <laughs> what? That doesn't make any sense. I mean, to be fair, I feel like every band instrument was a whore instrument because band kids are whores. I'm sorry. Yeah, dude, are. no, that's something that a lot of people don't, because I was in the band. I was trumpet and tuba, and a lot of people, I wasn't athletic enough to play sports, you guys. I was an ath- asthmatic, short, stunted turd. I, I couldn't play sports, so I, I did the band. And, and and one thing that a lot of people don't know about the band is how, like, that fucking, remember American Pie? They were yeah. talking about how it's like sex education. It really is. Like, yeah. it's a bunch of horny nerds who don't have another outlet. And have a lot of time on a school bus yeah, traveling right, right. to you know, oh, yeah, football games or competitions right, or whatever. Right. And just, you know, like having their first sexual experiences on the back of a yellow bus. I totally, I 100% identify and and understand that because I did the exact same stuff. I was in the same crowd. Okay. Band nerds ho. Um, All right. (laughs) Number three. Who was your first crush and who was your first celebrity crush? Let me take a sip of my wine before I Go for it. Drink away. Yeah, me too, actually. Silence on the microphone. Okay. So, um, I... Like elementary school, I know I had crushes on boys in my classes, but I honestly just don't know what their names were because I moved around a lot. So I didn't end up graduating with the same class of people that I knew in <laughs> elementary school. I don't know what the fuck those kids names were. OK, so the my first like one that I can really remember. Yeah, that's what we're shooting for. Is a guy named Jared McCombs who I graduated high school with. We dated like a little bit in middle school. Um, But in seventh grade, I remember this is like so fucking cute. Right. Like he sat in front of me in advanced math class and. One time he took my planner, like my, you know, the school would give you those little like agendas 
And so he like took mine off my desk and he wrote in it you like the letter U, the letter R, cute. Aww. And then he like handed it back to me and I was just like, Over Oh my god, so obsessed with him. Like you could ask my friends from high school. Like I was obsessed with him from seventh grade until like the day I graduated. So he was probably like my first like real people crush. Yeah, I had a couple of those too. Yeah. But uh first celebrity crush. So my thing about this one is like I'm going to take it a, probably a different direction than you really meant it. Because, like, there were celebrities that I, like, found attractive, right? But, like, I'm taking this, like, the first one that I was like, man, I really want to have sex with him. Okay, yeah, <laughs> like, do it. Like, this is, like, an adult celebrity crush where I'm like, I, like, actually have, like, a crush on you. And okay. that would be Michael Fassbender. M- oh, my God. Dude, yeah. He's got a huge dick. Do you know that? He does. I saw the movie Shame. That's the only yeah, NC-17. Yeah, this pecker's out, like, yeah. full out. Yeah, that's the only NC-17 movie I've ever seen, and I saw it in theaters with my best friend, and, you know, that was, like, a, a, a friendship-making experience in and of itself, but, um, it, no, it, but even before that, so I fell in love with him because he was in the movie X-Men First Class. Yeah, yeah, he's and, awesome in the X-Men films. And I, like, just he's a panty dropper man yeah dude i i've heard that <clears throat> excuse me guys i've heard that from from other people and, and you know what's interesting is like women talk about how attractive they find that guy to be personally he's a fucking amazing actor oh like, he is I, and his voice is like i mean his yeah. voice is everything my favorite movie that michael fassbender's in is because i say fassbender mm-hmm. everybody has a different way of pronouncing that goddamn name um my favorite fassbender flick is prometheus okay have you seen Prometheus? I have not. Holy shit! I've you seen, need to get I mean, on that. I know what like he looks like in that movie, where right. he's like kind of an android. Well, he's like... a, but it's it's still just like typically that guy. Yeah. Like he's still himself, and 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 so Prometheus is a sort of like prequel to the Aliens films, mm-hmm. and so it's high concept science fiction, and they're in space, and he does just this like perfect job of being this. I mean, he they couldn't have picked a better dude. And so if you haven't seen it, you need to watch that fucking movie. Okay. Right? Prometheus is one of my all time favorite science fiction films because it, it 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 has this like super high concept ideology about the origins of humanity and the origins of the alien and the origin. I mean, it's it's so, amazing. Like, what I'm hearing you saying is that we're going to like order food and watch this after we're done. We totally do that. I would love <laughs> to watch Prometheus again. Yeah, okay. absolutely. hundred percent. Okay. Um, all right. So tell me about someone that inspired you growing up. So this one is hard um, because I was trying to think of like a specific person. And honestly, I'm just going to be lame and say my parents. That's but, great. No, that works. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's not, I mean, you already told us that your parents were these great, stable educators and, and they're for you. Yeah. Makes and I sense. mean, so my parents are divorced, but um, I have just this perfect relationship with both of them now, That's um, great. which I feel like incredibly lucky. And, you, you know, it's, it's come, it's, it's been kind of an odd thing in some of the relationships that I've had where people are like, oh, you're so close to your parents. And, you know, it's like so lame that you're like so close to your parents and you give a shit what your parents think. And I'm like, I don't think it's lame. I think it's awesome. My parents are my best friends. No, it's fantastic. Um, That's what we should, all, we should strive for that. Holy yeah. shit. So um, my dad was career military when I was growing up. Navy, right? Navy. He yeah. was. Yeah. And um, my mom stayed at home with me when I was little, um, but and then she kind of had she bounced from job to job and now she works in my office and actually so does my dad um they're the friendliest divorce people i know <laughs> they work in your office yeah they both work in my office what do they do so my mom um is basically you know my my legal assistant and personal assistant that is the sound of wine being poured into this class yeah. i don't want your listeners to think that i'm just like no we're pouring more wine we just killed the bottle of siduri it's empty um 
But so my mom, um, she kind of answers the phone and, and does all my, um, you know, client interactions and filing and all that kind of stuff. And my dad started out as my Spanish interpreter because my dad's actually fluent in Spanish. Um, but he now is kind of doing more of my business management stuff. So he does all the money things. Oh, cool. He pays my taxes, that kind of shit. That's awesome. Yeah. So that takes a lot of pressure off of you, I imagine. Yeah, it really does. Outstanding. Your parents are awesome. I'm glad that you have that relationship with them. Yeah. I know a lot of people listening are probably like, fuck. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> we don't all have that relationship with our parents. So yeah. And I, I trust me, I know how lucky I am when yeah. I was growing up. I, I don't think I really, um, you know, I kind of, I took it for granted, but now that I'm adult, I'm an adult and I've seen, you know, other people's kind of family dynamics and stuff. I mean, it was hard when my parents got divorced. I'm not gonna lie. That was, that was tough. But yeah. in the grand scheme of things, I have just been like so incredibly lucky. Is there any like awkwardness with, between them working in the same space? <laughs> no, like I said, they're the friendliest divorce people I know. Like they, oh, that's so great. I mean, they, they, they don't work the same shifts all the time. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, like I'll have my mom in a couple of days that my dad's not there and my dad's in there, but you know, they overlap and they're like so kind to each other. And yeah. you know, they just, they have a really, they had a really amicable divorce. Like it was, um, sometimes people just accept that they need to go their separate ways. Yeah. And I mean, if, if you look at like, my, they're both remarried and if you look at the people that they're married to now, it completely makes sense that they did not work out. And right. so that's been also a really, um, kind of influential dynamic for me with my own like personal relationships is like looking at, okay, are these people like, like you can love somebody and not be compatible with them at all. And like a relationship. Absolutely. And I think that's what happened with my parents. My parents yeah. were you know, they love each other. They still do. They're like really good friends, but, yeah. um, they just, they, they, they probably never should have gotten married, but I understand you know, that. if they hadn't, I wouldn't be here. So. I understand. Yeah. No. So po- silver lining on that dark cloud. <clears throat> it doesn't even sound particularly dark. It's just human. It's just the way things are. Yeah. No good or bad guy. Okay. Number five, describe a place that you've been that you loved and why you loved it. So I am going to be super pretentious when answering this question and tell you that my favorite place I've ever been is Paris. And I want to go back so uh, bad. I I do recall you taking a trip to Paris. Oh, I loved why? it so why? much. Tell me why. So, um, I don't know. It was like, I mean, I've done some international traveling. Um, I've done some international traveling alone. Um, and this, I went with my best friend, and it was the easiest city to get around. I mean, like everything was clean. Um, everybody was friendly. Like I expected that people were going to be, you know, shitty to us because we were American, and yeah. neither one of us spoke a word of French when we went. But everybody was so incredibly friendly to us, spoke to us in English. Um, the subway system was, like, super easy to navigate. Everything was beautiful there. Um, the food was good. The wine was good. I mean, it was just, like... This fucking place, right? Yeah, it was just, like, this is... And it, not just Paris. I mean, we, we took the train up to Champ- the, the Champagne region mm-hmm. and kind of walked around another little town. And, I mean, it was just, like, something out of, like, a fairy tale. I was just, like... Who'd you go with? Uh, my best friend, Catherine. You guys take lots of trips together, huh? We do, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. really cool. We've been to... Uh, We've been to Ireland together. We've been to Mexico. Um, we've been to California three times to go wine tasting because we're those bitches. Yeah, basic. Yeah. Cool. Uh, when I was in college, I, I took French in high school and then I took French in college because I had to learn a language. And uh, I loved those classes because France seemed really, really cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and, and uh, I actually recently read that the French have their opinion of the United States and the opinion of their opinion of Americans has declined. And it started with that whole Freedom Fries. George W. Bush. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, really, that was the beginning. But they still, individually, I've never met a French person who was mean to me. They've all been pretty yeah. pretty friendly. And oh, kind. it was, I mean, it was just, like, nothing bad happened the whole time I yeah. was there. It was like, everybody was so nice. So, yeah, That's it was fantastic. awesome. Number six, name a restaurant everyone should try. 
Um, so I'm going to plug my favorite restaurant in the area. Cool. Do it. I love this place called Quanabasta in Winston-Salem. Huh. It is a wine bar okay. and Italian restaurant. Nice. It is divine. Oh, you said the, ooh, my favorite food, my favorite food of all time is Italian food. Mine too. Absolutely. 100%. I yeah. could eat, I, I could, if, if it wouldn't make me fat, I'd live on pasta and lasagna and pizza and I'd fucking love Italian. So, so it's an Italian joint you can get good wine yeah and um so they have you know there's like a little bar in the middle and they have all kinds of different um you know nice wines from all around the world and then they have uh their italian food menu and um you can get like wine flights and try different things and then they have this tiramisu which i'm a vegan but i like i I cheat for that tiramisu because it's so good they serve it in a mason jar oh Oh, wow it's amazing tiramisu is one of those things like uh i've had lots of shitty tiramisu and then when you get a good one, it's just like, this, fuck. This is the best. It's divine. Yeah, Because it's, it's, it's a brand of flavor that you're not supposed to be able to find at, like, Walmart. You know what I mean? Like, Walmart has tiramisu. It tastes like shit. I've had really crazy good tiramisu. And it is always like, this is what tiramisu is supposed to taste. Oh, man, I love that. Okay, cool. Outstanding. What was the name again? Quanto Basta. Quanto Basta. What, it, that sounds Italian. What's it mean? I have no idea. Quanto basta. It sounds like a lot of pasta. I don't know. Maybe that's what it means. Someone look it up. Uh, number seven. P- pick three people. Fuck one. Marry one. Kill one. Go. Okay. So you get to pick. Yeah. I, I thought of this. So my your choices are Democratic political candidates, which it doesn't sound like you're that into because you don't know who Cory Booker is. <laughs> Actresses or Jonas Brothers. Actresses. Because I don't know Jonas Brothers either. Okay. So actresses. I would fuck Sophie Turner. Yeah. AKA Sansa Stark. Sansa Stark. At fucking 100. I would marry Sansa Stark. Okay. Well, I would marry her, except for the one that I really want to marry is Blake Lively. Ooh, I'm good pick. I'm obsessed yeah. with Blake Lively. She's really hot. I've been obsessed with her for years. I, I've yeah. watched every episode of Gossip Girl like so many times. I've watched every movie <laughs> she's ever been in. Like, I love her. She's a very attractive so, woman. So yeah. she's who I would marry, okay. and then I would kill Anne Hathaway because <laughs> fucking everybody hates Anne Hathaway, and we don't know why, but I would kill that bitch. Like, I don't know why I hate her, but I do. <laughs> because she played Catwoman poorly. I don't, I've never even seen that. I just fucking hate her. Have you ever seen the picture of her without eyebrows? Holy Probably. F- it's fucking terrifying. You gotta see this. I'll, I'll, Google, I'll show you after the podcast. There's, there's a picture of her where someone photoshopped her eyebrows out and she looks like a goddamn goblin it's terrifying <laughs> but but i like blake lively you know blake lively is married to um ryan reynolds yeah ryan yeah, reynolds they are a couple goals for sure i so i have a friend um who might be listening who waited on them in new orleans of all fucking places she was a bartender or server down there and met them and said that ryan reynolds is just as awesome and funny in person as you would imagine and that blake lively is like the ultimate sweetheart like totally and and she said she was always smiling like constantly smiling happy really sweet person yeah so i get that that's a good pick although i'd probably still marry sansa stark all right number eight what turns you on okay um are we talking physical features or like emotional stuff whatever dude what like either are either or you can or you can do both it doesn't matter well physical features would be like arms i'm into Mm. good arms Mm. i'm into good hair yeah um, so eyes, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. like I'm pretty, you know, standard, standard. like attractive things yeah. about, you know, humans, but particularly the male variety. Right. Um, 
like emotional things. I like somebody who's driven. Mm. Um, I don't. I you know. I like somebody who's got a plan and kind of has their shit together. Because <laughs> um, you have your shit together. Yeah, which is ironic because most of my uh, past relationships have been with people who really don't have their shit together. Bunch of fucking losers. Um, That's okay. I make that same mistake. Um, I also, you know, I, I like somebody who can kind of keep up with my sense of humor. Mm. So. Dark. Dark gritty, and. Disgusting. Quick. Yeah. 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 Fast on the uptake. What turns you off? Number nine. Um, physical features wise, I would say beards. I don't, I don't get the facial hair thing that's going on these days. I know. What's up with that? Why do all these motherfuckers have facial hair? Like it became such a thing. The hipsters started. Yeah. It. But like, okay. So if I'm on like Tinder or something, every guy has a fucking Is beard. it that common? Yes. Wow. Yes. Wow. It's yeah. I hate it. Like hate when it. I, when I see a beard personally, when I see guys with beards, I think like this dude's about to march off to the seventh Manassas. <laughs> fucking volunteers for the battle of chancellorsville in 1864 <laughs> like these guys belong in a fucking civil war infantry battalion but they're out here walking around the modern age and they're drinking they're drinking ipas yeah and they're they're sucking on their douche flute vape but the thing is i'm not even gonna say anything don't about say this. it i'm not gonna say it i um, have a vape too he's been he's been vaping this entire episode yeah, yeah. um like a little bit of facial hair, like, you know, five o'clock shadow. That's, like, fine. I don't have a problem with that. I have a problem with the fact that, like, every fucking guy, like, every millennial guy has a beard these days, which yeah. pisses me off. But I don't get it. Also, bad dental hygiene. Ooh, yeah, rough. That's, I can't deal with it either. I can't make out with somebody if they haven't brushed their teeth. Like, I just can't do it. So, for me, one of my biggest turnoffs is, the, the two biggest ones for me are excess hair and funny smells. If you're, if, if you're like, a hairy, stinky person, I can't deal with it. And, and I think that becomes, I grew up in, like, a really clean like hygienic family mm-hmm. and and in the military they made me a very clean hygienic person and when i run into people who aren't you know like ultra hygienic and clean and shaven and cropped and it uh, it shuts me down man so yes i totally get that bad dental hygiene especially like yeah. you look at that grill and you're like fuck bro when was the last time you brushed them shits Jesus. i'm one of those people though who like if i've spent the night with someone um I will go and brush my teeth before and expect you... them to do the same thing before, <laughs> before we like make kiss. out. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Can't do it. All right. If you, let's see, number 10, if you could do anything in the world, what would it be? I would curate the soundtracks to movies. Ooh. That was like my, my little dream job when I was cool. in high school. I like that. I, I like toyed with the idea of going to film school and then yeah. I pussied out. I did too. Um, but yeah, the, what I would want to do is be like the producer who, you know, finds the perfect song to play in the background of whatever scene. Okay. So to you, God bless you. Thank you. She just sneezed and it sounded like a fairy farting. Um, <laughs> if, <laughs> what would you say? Well, pick a movie that has a perfect soundtrack. Um, have you ever seen the movie 21? Yeah, is is that the one with um, it's about blackjack, right? Yeah, with yeah. Kevin Spacey. Before, yes, you know, right. He was yeah, yeah. A pedophile. Uh, yeah. I mean, he was a pedophile, but before mm, we knew he was a pedophile, yeah. R.I.P. Um, yeah, that's that's like one that springs to mind. Okay. Um, that's a good one. That's a good one. You know what always springs to mind for me? What? Guardians of the Galaxy. See, okay, the first you're gonna judge the fuck out of me, but I haven't seen Guardians of the Galaxy. What? You haven't seen Prometheus. You haven't seen Guardians like of the Galaxy. I like Chris Pratt. He gets on my nerves. Crispy Rat? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Chris, Chris, Chris Pratt's actually really good in that movie. I like Chris Pratt. But that movie has one of the best soundtracks of all time. Like, it's, it's, it's immaculate. There's nothing wrong with it. It's perfect. Here's a TV show that has a really good soundtrack. Okay. 
uh, Stranger Things. Oh, yeah. Oh, you just plucked a nerve. That is like one of my favorite TV shows. Mm-hmm. It's, my, it's in my top five for sure. Yes, fantastic. They really nail the, the period, a hundred percent. Yeah, and it's not just the fucking soundtrack. It's the goddamn, uh, the artistic. The costume everything the, yeah. yeah god good good fucking pick okay yeah, yeah. i dig that okay all right moving along number 11 describe your perfect day okay so when i saw this question i was thinking about <sighs> miss congeniality when have you seen this movie miss congeniality with sandra bullock yes where she's uh she she does the yeah 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 sure, so yeah. in the beauty pageant they yeah. like ask the girl describe your perfect date yeah and she gives like april 22nd or something right, like that right, like right, it's right, like right. actually like it's a date stupid, yeah but um so that's what i like i was laughing when i saw this question because i was like oh describe your perfect day um i would say it would include the beach because mm. there's not much i love more than the beach um reading a nice book okay probably uh eating some good food drinking some good wine yeah that usually comes up um yeah being with people who i like just laugh a lot with and adore and adore Mm. yeah you know what's interesting is that when i ask people this question the same shit usually comes up it's like their favorite outdoor activities combined with a good plate of food Mm -hmm. something they enjoy drinking and then the company people that they love yeah and i feel like that's probably the most like uh wholesome yeah universal human thing that's what we're all kind of looking for like when you think about the best days of your life it usually involves those things like yeah so I get that. Okay, cool. All right. Now I didn't I didn't tell you this, but the the favorites are supposed to be kind of rapid fire. Okay. Okay. So um the favorites are number twelve through number nineteen. All right. So favorite food. Uh pasta with marinara sauce. Fucking A. I can yep, I'm on board. <laughs> favorite pizza. Uh no cheese. Okay. Because I don't eat cheese. Okay. Black olives, green peppers, and tomatoes. I am hundred percent not on board. <laughs> not even kinda. That is not my favorite. Okay, but all right, cool. Right on. The vegetarian vegan thing. All right, number fourteen, favorite drink. Well, we are drinking red wine, yeah, so I am a big fan of red wine. I love red wine too. Um, I also like sparkling wine because okay. I'm like that bitch. Okay. But also if I had to pick like a cocktail, it would be a Jamie and Ginger. Ooh, what's a Jamie and Ginger? Jameson and Jameson and ginger ale with lime in it. Okay. Yeah. Outstanding. Favorite drug? Um, so I haven't done many drugs. I That's will okay. say, yeah, sure. But uh, if we're gonna get like literal about this, my favorite drug is Zoloft, which <laughs> I take for OCD. And so I'm just gonna say that has like changed my life and made me a fucking better person. So okay, I'm gonna say cool. That, yeah. that is my favorite drug. All right, Zoloft. I'm digging it. All right. <laughs> favorite film? Uh, the 2005 version of Pride and Prejudice, the one with Keira Knightley. Oh, that's been my favorite movie since I was 15 years old. You want to hear something funny about yeah. that movie? When I was in the army, I bought a stack of DVDs because they were dirt cheap. They were like two bucks. And that was one of them. And then I never watched it. You've never seen it? No. Okay, we're watching that instead of Prometheus. No, we're watching Prometheus. <laughs> we're 100% watching Prometheus. Okay. I couldn't sit through Pride and Prejudice right now. I know the basic story. Mr. Darcy. Um, all right. Number 17. Favorite musical performer and song? I don't know that I have a favorite performer. I have so many. Like, it's so hard to pick. Um... And I listen to a lot of different genres of music. So, I mean, I like Kings of Leon. I love Coldplay. I love, I listen to a lot of hip hop. I love Drake. I love Big Sean. I mean, okay. like I listen to a lot of EDM. I love Mattyon. He's oh. like this little EDM artist from France. I love him. Okay. Um. So I don't really know that I have a favorite performer. It used to be though, John Mayer. I was a John Mayer groupie uh. when I was from like age, uh. like 14 until like age 
19. <laughs> I was obsessed with him. I saw him three times in the same calendar year one year. I believe it. Um, okay. But my favorite song would probably be this song called Covered in Rain by John Mayer, which he never recorded. He only released it on live albums. Okay. It's real good. Okay. Real yeah. good. Real, real good. What is it called again? Covered in Rain. By John Mayer. Go, yeah. Go give I, it a I, listen. I, you know, I almost said uh, Old Town Road because we were uh, singing that. Fucking Old Town Road. I'm going to take my horse. horse to the Old Town Road. Oh, man. Uh, that shit. I, so I don't listen to the radio and I don't have Sirius XM. So for me to keep up with what's popular in music, I have to like create a Pandora station that's like hot hits. Uh-huh. And when that song played, I was like, this is the worst fucking song I've ever heard in my I'm life. I'm going to ride until I can't, can't no more. more. And then, and then <laughs> like, it became this cultural thing. Like, it's a fucking force to be reckoned with right now. It's this old town. I saw this video where the, the guy, what's his name? Lil Nas? Yeah, Lil Nas X. Lil Nas X. He goes to an elementary school and he performs his song. And what blew his mind was that all the fucking children, they're like, like seven. Yeah, yeah. They all knew the song. They were like hopping and dancing and jumping. They all knew the words. It He's was, really funny too. I follow yeah. him on Twitter. And he- I I heard he was like a really sweet guy. Like yeah. he's, he's a good person. He's so cool. I, I, I'm okay with it. All right. So next favorite video game. Um. Okay. The only video game I've ever really played is Star Wars Battlefront. You know this. I remember that. Yeah. Um. And that's because my ex-husband was a Star Wars Battlefront aficionado. And okay. so I started playing it when we were together. Yeah. And then we got divorced and uh, I bought an Xbox just so I could play Star Wars Battlefront. Have you kept up with Star Wars Battlefront 2? Yeah, I have Star Wars Battlefront 2. It's yeah. amazing now. It is good. Yeah, it's really good. Okay, so for those of you who don't know about video games, Star Wars Battlefront 2 was a really controversial title because Disney, who now controls all of the intellectual properties around Star Wars, gave the video game um, a production rights to a company called Electronic Arts. And they're like the big bad of video games. They're like the big corporate or overlords that everybody hates of video games. And when they made Star Wars Battlefront one, they really, they it just wasn't that great a game. See, was, I love, I love one though. I, I think well, I like was one good. better than two. I will, Yeah. I mean like one was good and there's I, cool shit about two, but I think yeah. I love the OG. Yeah. I mean like one was good and, 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 and if we're talking OG, OG Star Wars Battlefront, Star Wars Battlefront was originally like 2004, 2005. And those games were way better in their day mm-hmm. than the ones we have now. They were just freer and open and, and there wasn't as much DLC. Electronic Arts caught a ton of flack for the way that they've handled the Star Wars franchise because they've added microtransactions and they've made it very pay, 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 continue to pay, pay, pay. Like the, the D all the DLC was paid, but with star Wars battlefront two, where they fucked up was you had to buy the game for $60 and then they included pay to win microtransactions. And that pissed people off to no end. They have the number one most downvoted comment on Reddit of all time was an electronics, electronic arts reply to a question about the game where they were like, Someone asked Electronic Arts, why did you include pay to win microtransactions in your video game? And Electronic Arts, their official Reddit account replied to we wanted to instill in our our players a sense of pride and accomplishment. Yeah, no, fuck that. Dude, fuck that. Negative 700,000 downvotes mm-hmm. on nope, Reddit. Nope, nope. It was bad. It, it blew up. People were pissed as fuck. But what's crazy is that in the two years since the game came out, they have done a complete 180 and it's probably one of the best star Wars titles released in recent history. I mean, it's amazing. Like they've added a ton of free content, the graphics, the visuals, the gameplay, it's all really, really tight. So battlefront, I still have it. I still play it, 
It's awesome. I also really love The Sims, just saying. The Sims are so much fun. The Sims is so fucking fun. You right can now, fuck. I so yeah, you can fuck on the Sims. I started um, I started watching this YouTube. It's like a BuzzFeed series where yeah. this girl does the hundred baby challenge. And so right now I'm in the middle of the hundred baby challenge on the Sims Four. What does that mean? Where you have one Sim have to have a hundred babies with a hundred different dudes. <laughs> but, which is really that's like master hoe level. It's really fucking fun though. That like and so great. that's that's what I've been up to. I really. have I have a really good friend that plays the Sims. Nikki, are you listening? Maybe not. She plays the Sims, and she was like equally obsessed with that fucking game because you the sims is you you literally create a person and that's your sim and you like dictate their life and you build a life for this creature and there's all kinds of expansion packs and other shit you can do so that's a fun game okay uh that was number 18 number 19 my favorite question what's your favorite dinosaur and you're gonna hate me because i know nothing about dinosaurs and i do not have an answer to this question i actually in anticipation for today i looked up famous dinosaurs because i was like okay maybe there's like a character for something that i can say like is my favorite no i don't fucking know anything about dinosaurs i'm sorry that's okay all right no favorite dinosaur boo this woman all right now um we've covered all 19 the 20th question which we kind of discussed earlier and now we're, we're, we're going back to is what is your parting shot for today? What would you like to say to the listener about your profession, about anything? So my parting shot is a little piece of legal advice that I'm giving you all for free. If you ever, ever interact with the police, do not consent to anything. So this is something that I think people, this is like the most important thing that would make my job so much easier if my clients did not consent to stuff. So if you interact with the cops and they come up to you and ask, Hey, you mind if I look through your car? All kinds of people say, yeah, man, sure. Knowing they've got shit in there. Even if you don't have shit in there, don't consent to it. You don't have to. There's like, there's a fine line between being respectful and consenting. So you can say, you know, officer, I just really wouldn't feel comfortable with that. I would prefer if you got a warrant. Um, That is what you say. Because if you consent to the police searching you, searching your car, searching your house without a warrant, then there is nothing anyone can do to defend you because you've consented to whatever they find. But if you make them get a warrant, then I can work with that. Okay. This is interesting because I have a question about this. Okay. Relating to a personal experience I had. Okay. I'm going to clear my throat real quick. <coughs> that was very loud. That I hope you didn't. Loud. I hope it wasn't right in your ear. Okay. 2013-14. I was at Middle Tennessee State University and I was the member of a fraternity for a short time. Mm -hmm. I went to a meeting one night. I didn't get off until like 12 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night. I drive back to my house that I was renting with a friend at the time that was in a shittier part of the downtown of Murfreesboro. On my way home, I get pulled over by a cop. Turns out that I had a brake light out or something in the back. Mm -hmm. At the time, I had an anxiety disorder Mm -hmm. and I still kind of have it, but not as bad. My hands were shaking when he came up. And so he said, you look anxious. I'm going to ask you to step out of the vehicle. He's a cop. I got out of the car. And then he said, I think that you might have something in your vehicle. I'm going to have a drug dog come and search your vehicle or come and sniff your car. So they sniffed my car with a drug dog. And then they said, we had a positive hit on the left and right side for drugs. Now we're going to search your vehicle. I didn't know what to do. So they searched my vehicle. Mm -hmm. Did I consent inappropriately there? 
Um, if they didn't ask you, then no. What it, what I mean by consent is if they say, "Hey, man, do you mind if I look?" and you say, "Yes," I straight up told them no. If you they say, did ask, and I said, "Absolutely you, not," and then they do it anyways, that's great. That's okay. what I can work with. Right. Um. So that's what I'm saying. Like, you've always got to be respectful. You know, if the cops say, "Get out of the car," but the get drug out of dog, the, car. the drug dog, is that a caveat? If the drug dog says, "Yes, they have pot." Can they search without my permission? Well, and that gets into like a whole bunch of legal stuff that we... Minutia. Yeah. But the point that I'm trying to make is if they say, um, hey, man, we think you've got drugs in the back of your car. Mind if I take a look? And you say uh. yes, then you're fucked. If you say, no, I would prefer if you had a warrant and then they do it anyways, you know, you might still be fucked. <laughs> but yeah. like at least it gives me something to work with. Right. Okay. So, be respectful to the police. If they say, you know, get out of the car, get out of the car. If they say, um, hey, can I search your pockets? Say, no, I would prefer you have a warrant. Right. That's what you need to do. Okay. Always just say, you know, no, officer, I, I would prefer if you had a warrant. Okay. That's your magic language. Do not consent to shit. Don't consent to shit. Be, be nice, be respectful, but don't consent to shit. But be nice and respectful. Guys. This is something I actually had a conversation with a person about this recently. This is something that cannot be reiterated enough besides don't consent to shit. Be nice to them. Be yeah. as nice and pleasant and fucking amicable as yes. possible. Do not yes. piss the cops off. Right. Because they have authority. Right. And they will use it if you piss them off. Right. And whether or not they are justified, that it's not going to help Doesn't you to, to be, you know, an asshole. Right. But, like, the consent thing. Here's, here's just one little anecdote that I'll tell you, and, and then I really have to pee. Okay. So I'm glad we're, like, almost done We're here. about done. Um, so I have a client right now who was in her car. She had gotten pulled over for a ticket for um, her registration being expired. Cop gives her the ticket, says, you know, you're free to go. Here's your ticket. Whatever. She's, like, about to drive away. The, the interaction over the ticket has completely ended. She's free to leave. The cop's not doing anything. He says, hey, you know, um, in Surrey County right now, we have this really bad drug problem. Do you mind if I search your car? She was like, sure, but um, I'm really hungry. Do you mind if I run in Sheets and get a sandwich? What he's, the fuck? He's like, he's like, yeah, go get your sandwich. So she goes in Sheets, gets a sandwich, brings it out, sits on the hood of the cop car, and eats her sandwich while he searches her car. And finds trafficking levels of heroin in her car. What the fuck? There's nothing I can do with that because she consented to it. She's fucked. Yeah, she's fucked. She's going to jail for a long time. Yeah. But if she had just said, you know. Did she no, know that it was in there? I'm sure she did. What an idiot. But that's what I'm saying. Even if you don't, don't ever consent right. to it. Because if she had said, you know, officer, I'm not comfortable with that. I would prefer if you had a warrant. And then he did it anyways. He wouldn't have had any reason to search for her. Hey, car. man, maybe she was stoked she was going back to the big house. Maybe she was. I don't know. Fucking but she just got Christ. her sheets. She went in and got her sheet sandwich, and that was really all she cared about. My God in heaven. Yeah. And I feel bad for her. Like, how did well, you end up in that position, honey? I mean, Jesus. okay, to be fair, this cop is, like, really hot, and he knows he's hot, and he <laughs> uses it to his advantage. Like, he straight up has said, I can get women to do anything. Wow. Well, so, good for know. him. Well, yeah. yeah. Mm. Must be nice. Amen. Sex sells. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been our interview with Holly Wilcox, attorney at law. And uh, I learned a whole lot. I've learned a lot just from talking to you. Sweet. It's been awesome. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah, this did, is fun. Did you have fun? I did. I really had fun. I like, you know, drinking wine and talking about the law. That's kind of like what I do every day. That's, so. God, I, I enjoy this drinking is... wine and talking about the law as well, it seems. Yeah. I'm fucking, I had a really good time and I learned a lot and I hope that the listener did too. And uh, once again, thank you, Holly. And uh, thank you guys for listening. 
And let's see, what's today? Today is the second. Ninth. It's the ninth. So it's the <laughs> Is the ninth? It's the ninth. Okay, it's the ninth of June. Um, we in Gemini June? season, bitch. Are we in Gemini? Does that mean anything? Astro- 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 I mean, I'll astrologically? Tell you. I'll tell you after the pod. Okay, all right. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, we did our interview. The next episode is going to be something about video games, movies, entertainment. But this has been my guest. My guest is Holly Wilcox, attorney of law. If you need a good lawyer, a defense attorney, and you live in Surrey County. Or anywhere in North Carolina. Anywhere in North Carolina. Give her a call. Give her a Google. I'm sure you'll you'll find her. Uh, but once again, thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, be sure and uh, like and share on social media. And then give me a review on iTunes or Spotify. Anybody willing to support will receive a shout out, maybe a blowjob. I don't know. It depends on my uh, how, how free I'm feeling that day. But once again, thank you very, thank you very much for listening. And uh, I'll, I'll talk to you guys next time. I hope you all have a fantastic week.